Hey church family, I'm Stu. And I'm Jordan. And, and here's, here's what's, what's happening, happening on, on the, the hill. hill. Church, you did an awesome job with our Operation Christmas Child. We have ran out of boxes, but you can put your own shoe box and bring it in this Sunday, November 20th. That is the deadline. Church, we still have our angel tree out in the lobby, and there's only one left. Great job, church. If you did happen to take one of these, the sign-in sheet is out here. Make sure you sign your name beside the child you took. These are due on Wednesday, December 7th. Still looking for a way to be a blessing this season? We still need volunteers to sign up to ring the bell for the Salvation Army Kettle Drive. It's on Friday, November 25th. And the sign-ups are in the common grounds. Can you believe Thanksgiving is next week? Remember, we have no service on Thursday night, the day of Thanksgiving, but we'll see all of you on Sunday morning. Bring your little ones here and we'll take good care of them. Got preschoolers? Let Matt teach them about Jesus. Got elementary age kids? Tiffany would love to meet them down here in our elementary ministry. Middle and high schoolers, here's what's going down in the stew. Take it away, Ray. Uh, are you, you good? Okay, well, uh, thanks, Jordan, and welcome to The Stew. I'm Ray Brewer, and we have plenty of stuff going on on Sundays. We've got in the morning at the 11 o'clock service, we have our next phase. That's for our middle schoolers. They come in, we hang out, we have a small lesson. It's awesome. Then we come back at night at 5 o'clock. That's right, 5 o'clock. We have our middle school group again. And then right after that, we have our 7 o'clock service for our high schoolers. But it does not stop on Sundays. We have stuff all throughout the week. And I'm sure my I'm sure my information is somewhere on this screen. So go ahead and contact me. See you. If you're a first-time guest or new to Shelby Christian, stop by the I'm New Wall in the lobby. It's the big orange wall. We even have a gift for you. Hey, church family, we stand to your feet. Let's worship the Lord. It's the week of Thanksgiving. I'm so glad that you're here. Very thankful for you guys today. Just one word, you calm a storm that surrounds me. Just one word. The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of heaven Just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart can't help but believe There's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can't There's nothing that I 
That's why our kids all went to Milligan because they thought that was there all the time. Because every time we went down, they had that. But um, but it was nice because we got to go down. Hannah's a sophomore there now, and Rachel is in the area doing a grad uh, program. So it was great to visit with family, and it's great to see friends again. Um, my wife talks forever to all of her friends, the guys. You haven't seen them for 20 years, and you're like, you good? Yep. And then you talk football, right? You know, so you don't really catch up on anything. But it's good to see everybody. So I just love that time of connection with them. Also this week, there was a different kind of homecoming. We had the, the services uh, for Leonard McIntosh and Betty Carter, which were two great people. If you, uh, if you knew them, uh, you know it's a loss for this church. But 
my heart was just filled with joy knowing that they were with Jesus, right? There was no doubt, right? And they were reunited with spouses or family and friends and things like that. In the Bible of Mark, it says, Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me, for I have gone to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me. So not only did Jesus come down, become a man, die on the cross for us. He loved us so much he did that, even though none of us deserved it. But he's up there preparing a place for when we come home and get to spend time with him. That's how much he loves us. So as we come to this time, remember his love. And oh, what a homecoming it will be. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for a chance to gather in your house. We just hope that it's pleasing to you. We just love you. Thank you for, for all that you've done for us. Even though we don't deserve it, thank you for sending Jesus down. Thank you for having a place. We look forward to when we will be reunited with you, Lord. Help us to honor you in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Perfect 
Well, good morning. Isn't that song just an incredible reminder about who we are? This world will, will try to tell you uh, and place a lot of labels on, on you, won't, won't it? Uh, about who, who it thinks you are. But it's just such a good reminder to stop and to sing and to pray and, and to, to just, oh yeah, God, I'm yours. All right? And I'm walking with you, and that's what's important. That's what matters. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. We are in uh, week two of this series called Money's Worth. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Has anyone ever looked at you and, and you know when, when they look at you and they ask you this question that you're about ready to have an interesting conversation. But they look at you and they go, well, how much is it worth to you? Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you want something and they have it and they're trying to sell it to you? And they know you want it and so it's like, well, how much is it worth to you? Right? You're about ready to go into this haggling process. Any of you guys like to haggle? Anybody like to haggle over the price of things? Right? Over the worth of things? Like, how much is that really worth? It's kind of in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? I looked up the word worth this week and here's the definition of worth, right? Having a particular value. But then that kind of leads into the question, well, who sets the value? Right? Who decides? Is it the marketplace? Is it the one that owns the object? Is it the one that's like willing to pay for the object? Like, who sets the, the value of a particular object? Have you, have you guys ever watched um, American Pickers? You know that show? You know, Frank and Mike, these two guys that set out across America to... to and and it, I've watched it a, a few times over the years. And it's always when they go to these places, don't they go to like the shadiest places in America? And it's like they'll find the guy... That it looks like he hasn't really seen another person in like a month. And maybe he's taking a shower this month. You know, that kind of guy. And it's like there are dead bodies probably buried on this guy's property. And he's got like 10 buildings, outbuildings, right? And he's got all this stuff. And they'll dig through all of it. And they'll find like this one like object. Like, it, like, it'll, like it'll be a Valvoline oil sign. And, and Frank will look at the old guy and say, well, what would you take for that? And he's like, well, what's it worth to you? Right? And then this barter and this haggling thing goes on. On. And he'll say, uh, he, Frank will say, or Mike will say, well, would you take 150? And he'll say, how about 175? You know, and then they'll go back, you know, you know how that goes, right? And it's like this thing, like, how much is something worth? What's the value of a particular thing? Here, here's another question that's a little bit deeper. What are you worth? <laughs> What's your life worth. I stumbled across uh, this movie last year on Netflix. It's called Worth. You guys, anybody ever seen this movie? Uh, this is a fascinating movie. It's, it's a movie about uh, the, the uh, victims of 9-11. After the 9-11 attacks, Congress appointed attorney and mediator Kenneth Feinberg, who's played by Michael Keaton in this movie, to lead the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund. Any you guys ever even heard about this? This is kind of fascinating, right? Uh, Feinberg was assigned with allocating financial resources Resources to the victims of 9-11. Feinberg and his firm were tasked with determining the worth of each person's life that was killed 
on 9-11. And so the team initially comes up with this mathematical formula, right? Well, who were they? What did they do? How much did they make? You know, those kind of things. Like, and, and you can kind of, you already sense, if you haven't seen the movie, I haven't even thought about this, you can already realize what the tension is in this movie. It's like, well, why is your loved one who was, you know, a lawyer versus worth more than my sister who died, who worked in this office? Why is your, the value of, of your loved one's life worth more than mine, right? And so that's kind of the tension in this movie. What, what is, what is a, a human life worth? What's your loved one's life worth? How much is someone worth? The Feinberg and his team were given this impossible task. I won't spoil it for you if you want to go watch it, but it's on. It's actually on Netflix right now, um, and it's it's a fascinating just kind of thought to go through and to think about that. In the middle of this series, though, money's worth. You know, one of the things that preachers and churches, when we talk about, okay, we're going to spend the next, you know, this next series talking about money. It's never really. Um, they're really comfortable, right? You don't want to just stand up and say, all right, let's talk about our money, because everybody's like, oh, you know, that's a, so typical. It's like, that's what the church does, talks about money. But here's what's fascinating about having this conversation. Did you know that, that Jesus talked about money in the New Testament uh, more often than he talked about faith or prayer combined? Of the 40 parables that Jesus taught, 11 of them had to do with, with money. Our finances are tied to, to the, the, this scenario that we're talking about today. So it's interesting that Jesus talked about this a lot. He typically would talk in parables, and we're going to read one of those today. And, and, and there are these truths, these spiritual truths that he's t- trying to teach us. He would just make up a story and say, the, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he would tell the story. Or, or here's how you should look at the, the world, and he'd tell the story. Or here's how you should look at your money, and he'd tell these stories, right? Here's how you should look at your possessions, and he would, he would then tell the story. And he, he spent a lot of time talking about money. And you think about it, like, why would Jesus, why would you do that? There's a lot of other things you could have. Man, there's so many uh, social issues and, and hot button topics today that you look through and you're like, did Jesus talk about that? Nope, didn't talk about that, didn't really talk about that. And you're like, I could, Jesus, I could give you a list of a bunch of other things that I wish you would have shed some light on in, in view of what we're dealing with in our world today, right? But he didn't. He spent, he spent a lot of time talking about this. And, and here's one of the reasons I think this is, was important to Jesus, is important to him, and it's what we need to think about this morning. Because to Jesus, money can operate as this rival God in our lives that challenges our allegiance, right? Think about it. When money becomes a God or the God in your life, it entices us to worship ourselves and we're comfortable and we have things, all the things that we could ever imagine in this world. And so it's like, why? Why do I need God? You think about some of the most uh, the, the richest people in the world, you know, they're, they're in the news a lot. You know, people you used to talk about Bill Gates a lot. And now it's um, uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. He's been in the, the news here recently with all the stuff with Twitter, right? And so these people that like billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. And it's like, you look at a guy like that and, they, you know, they can say, well, I got more money than God. What do I need God for, right? I don't know their spiritual situations, but you can imagine someone saying, you know what? What do I need that? I have everything I could ever want and desire with the money that I have. And Jesus knew that when, when this tension would rise, when this conflict would rise in our hearts, that it was going to be trouble. It was going to be trouble for us. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. He said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one 
and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Those were Jesus' words. We've been kind of saying, if money could talk, it would say this. And here's the phrase this morning. If money could talk, it would say, I am a great servant, but a terrible master. I'm a great servant, but a terrible master. You see, money, Jesus knew this, can be dangerous because it can enslave us. When we spend more than we make and when we go into what's called debt, right? We become a slave to the debtor. When I, when I even talk about, hey, are you in debt? Do you have credit card payments, car payments, student loan payments, a mortgage, right? All these things. And like some of you are like, oh, I, th- I thought I could go to church and not think about that for an hour today. I don't want to think about that stuff because it's stressful and it weighs you down, right? And it's this weight that we carry. It's this enslavement. In, in Proverbs 22, 7, it says this, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And so Jesus would teach about the warnings of getting so enticed with the things of this world, the materialistic things that we think have a lot of worth, right? That we thought, if I could just get that, it's going to fill this void. Have you ever, have you ever had that? Like, I, you know... Man, this new truck comes out and it's like it's like $65,000 and you're like, you know, if I could just get that new truck, right? I know the car, I know the truck payment's going to be like 8 or $900 a month, but you know, but, but I still would love to have, and, and, and your wife's going, you know, that truck you got out in the driveway, it's fine, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that, that $15,000 truck will do just as much as that $65,000. Your wife told you that, right? But you're like, I got, I want to get that, right? And you get that, and then you're like, it's another payment, it's another big payment, and then something breaks. Right, and you're like, and there's this stress, and there's this like, oh, this weight of that, and you feel like you're enslaved. Jesus knew this; he knew that this is the way that our hearts would go if we weren't careful. But money is also important because it can be used as tools to help others, and that's one of one of the things I want us to focus on this morning. I, I want to read you a passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 25. These are Jesus's words, and here's what Jesus said: He's talking about in the end, and he's talking about goats and sheep, and he kind of gives this analogy of like, all right, the goats are going to go this way; they're going to go off, and they're going to go into their to damnation, to hell. The sheep are going to go to heaven and the paradise. And he's telling this story, and here's what he says: Then the king will say to those on the right, to the sheep, he says, "Come, you were you who are blessed by my father." Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then look at what, what Jesus says. Why, why do those people enter into the, the kingdom, enter into this kingdom that is prepared by, the, by God? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, Jesus says. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit. And then the righteous will answer. Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? And then Jesus said this. When, when did we see you sick or in prison give you and come visit you? And then the king will reply. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so when you think about kind of read between the lines here, it takes resources to feed someone else, doesn't it? 
It's hard to, to feed someone else when you're hungry yourself, to give them water when you don't have any yourself. It, it's, it takes resources, it takes a car, it takes gas, you know, to go visit someone in prison, right? It takes resources to do these things that Jesus is talking about. And he's saying, when you go and you do these things, when you use what I've given you to help others, that's what my kingdom looks like. And so money in the hands of a righteous person can be used as a tool by God to serve and save our brothers and sisters. And so your generosity, the the things that God has given you, the resource that God has given you, they have the potential, Jesus would say, to save someone's life. And not just their temporary life, but their eternal one as well. If if we genuinely, if, if as a church, we genuinely believe that life is eternal, right? We, we won't just invest our time and our resources into the temporary things of this world. It's wise to invest some of your time and your resources into the things of this world, like I said, because it, you, we can't help others unless we're secure and like, all right, we've got, we can't help people with a hand up, right? If we need If we've got our hand out. And so get things in order so that God says, hey, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your life. I'm going to use your resources. I'm going to use you as a tool to help other people. That's where Jesus is going this morning with this message. So instead, we pour our energy and our resources into behavior and actions that will resonate throughout eternity. God looks at us and he says, Let's make a difference. Let's, let's make a difference, not just for today, but for eternity. And I want you to look at another phrase, another passage that Jesus um, quote from him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says this. Jesus said this. You've heard this before. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth. All right? Remember this? Where moth eat them and where rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures where? In heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your what? Your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying, don't store up, don't, don't think that the things of this world, right? Those things don't matter. When he talks about storing up treasures in heaven, what's he really talking about? Because we know when we die... None of it's going with us. Whatever you have, right, the, 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 whatever material possessions you have, whatever resources you have, it's going to be left behind. And if there's any left over, the people that are left behind, they're going to divvy it all up and they're going to go on with the rest of their lives. He's not talking about those kind of things. What he's talking about is the treasures are those relationships, those people. Right? The, the other people that can, can, you can, when you get to heaven, you can look around and go, man, you had, you had a part to play. Right? God used you to help get them to heaven. The relationship that you leveraged here on earth in the name of Jesus was used. The things you had were used. And they're in heaven. Those are the treasures that Jesus is talking about. So here's what I want you to understand this morning. Jesus is not after your money. Little spoiler alert here. It's not even your money. We'll get to that in a second. But he's not after your money. He's after your heart. Jesus has always been after your heart. He, He wants to push the things of this world to the side because they distract us. Right? And he says, the thing that I'm pursuing is your heart. 
I, this, this other stuff, it's, it's temporary. It, it's secondary. It, don't get distracted. Don't get caught up in that. Understand that what's important is your heart and your connection with me. And so that's what Jesus is after. And so this morning I want us to look at a parable that he taught. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It starts in verse 14. So Jesus tells this story. And like I said, Jesus told about 40 of these in the New Testament. And he would just be standing in front of a group of people. He would be teaching. He'd be preaching. And he would, he would just come up with this story. He would just make this story up, right? This illustration. And that's what these parables are. And this is another one of these things that Jesus is just making it up on the spot. But he knows that, that there are so many uh, implications in this story. There's so many things that you can learn. There, every parable that Jesus taught is so rich. And it, it's like it's got a lot of stuff in there. And this one that we're going to read this morning, it, you could go a lot of different ways with this. And you, if you've been around church for very long, you've probably heard preachers preach it in, in all kinds of different ways, right? And I want to look, us to look at it this morning again, and I want to see what we can get from it because I think there's some, some very important things here. Here's what Jesus does. He tells a story about a rich man who's preparing to go on a long trip. And so he calls three of his servants together, and he tasks them with managing his wealth while he's away on his trip, right? And so he gives the first servant five bags of silver. He gives the second servant two bags of silver. He gives the the third servant one bag of silver. And and he says, I want you to take care of this. I want you to manage this for me while I'm gone. And when I come back, we'll we'll settle back up. We'll talk about this when I get back. And so he leaves on this long trip, Jesus says. Right? And he says, manage this. Take care of this for me. And look at verse 16. Here's what happens. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. And he earned five more. If you underline, circle, notice, uh, circle the word invest. Right? He takes it and he invests it. He doubles the master's money. The, the servant with two bags of silver also, look at what he did. The next three words. Went to work <laughs> and earned money. It, it, you know, if you don't have any money, if you're struggling, you know, Jesus would say, you know where you need to go? <laughs> you need to go to work. <laughs> right? They went to work. First guy invested it, smart, smart guy. Second guy, smart guy, went to work. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. So when the rich man returns from his trip, he calls the three servants together to give an account of how they did with his money. First two servants gladly report they were successful in doubling the man's resources. The rich master is ecstatic. Jesus tells he says, sorry, he's, he's ecstatic. He throws a party. He says, you know what? Great job, servant number one. Great job, servant number two. Because you were faithful in what I gave you, I'm going to give you more to manage. I'm going to give you more responsibilities in the household. Right? But then the third servant comes in. He had a different report. Verse 25 of Matthew 25. He says, I was afraid that I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. I, I, I dug a hole and put it in the ground. Look, here's, your, here's all your money back. And Jesus, as he's telling the story, says, And the master was furious. In verse 27, why, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank, right? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, Take the money from the servant, from this servant, and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And so in this parable, 
in every parable that Jesus tells, teaches, there's always a God figure and there's always an us figure, right? And so you, you figured it out. The, the God figure in this parable is the master. We are, we are the servants. And so I want to give you three truths this morning about money. Three truths that we can take home concerning money and our stuff. Right? Here's truth number one. Truth number one is this. It's not our money. <laughs> it's God's. It's not your stuff. It's, it's God's. Look at, look at this psalm. Psalm 24, 1. It says this. The earth is the Lord's. And what? Everything. What? Everything. Everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Now, what's everything? (laughs) All of it. Everything. Look around. The people you see, the things you see, everything that is seen and even unseen, it's all His. It's all the Lord's. It's not Yours, it's not mine, it's his. And in this parable, the master, he didn't give the servants his wealth. This wasn't a loan. He let them manage his money while he was gone. What percentage of the money did the servants own? Zero. Zero percent of it was theirs. What percentage of the money did the master own? One hundred percent. All of it was his. The servants, they didn't get to keep the money. They didn't get, that they managed. They didn't even get to keep the, the extra money. That they'd made for the master. They didn't get a cut of it. They didn't get a percentage of it. They didn't get, they, 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 the master said, good job, let's celebrate. Here's more stuff to manage. <laughs> Go back to work. Right? That's what happens. Because 100% of it belonged to the master. They were managers, not owners. That's the point of this parable. Here's truth number two. We, right, we are God's managers and He has entrusted us. He has entrusted you and He's entrusted me with this task of managing His stuff. From the very beginning, God has entrusted humanity to manage things for Him. Think back to Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning. Genesis 1, 28 says this, Then God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, and then look at this, and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along on the ground. Govern it. Reign over it. You take care of it. You manage it, man, woman. Like, this is, I created this, God says. Like, I created the fish. I created the seas. I created the heavens. I created the earth. I created the animals. I created you. I created it all. It all belongs to me. But I'm going to give it to you. To manage. Manage my resources. Manage my stuff. And so there are a couple of things when we read this parable that we we can be tempted to get distracted with. Don't get distracted with the amount of money that each of these servants was asked to manage. That was was outside of their control. Right? It's easy to to look and go, well, they, they got more stuff. Like, they got, they, they're doing better than, uh, than me. Like, God, why, why are they blessed with more than I'm blessed with? That, that's not, that's none of your business. <laughs> it's not. Like, that, that's, that's like, they're walking with God down. That, that's not your journey. That's their journny right? The one that, that was, the, the, the five, the five bags of silver and the two, like, you know, like the one, like, the, man, the, the, the owner just said, here. 
It, it was his decision. And, and so don't get distracted with those things because those things are outside of, of our control. The issue was not how much they managed, but it was what they did with what they were asked to manage. It's not how much, but it's what they, were, they did with what they were asked to manage. And so we're managers, not owners. You should know, you should know where all the master's money goes. Because it's his. Uh, truth number three, God's agenda is the only agenda that matters. We're tasked with managing God's blessings, God's ways for God's glory. I love this Verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases who? Him. Don't get this twisted, right? This isn't, this isn't about us. Life, it's not about us. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's His. It's His agenda. It's His idea. It's His world. It's His creation. It's all His. And we are tasked with managing God's blessings, God's ways, for God's glory. And what God asks us to do is to be faithful with what He's given us. To, be, to allow Him to use us as a tool in the master's hand and to use the resources that we've been given as tools in our hands to help other people so that they may know Jesus the way we do. Why does any of this matter? Why spend time talking about this kind of stuff today, money and resource and these kind of things? Because at the heart of Christianity lies the premise that God created everything, right? And it ultimately all belongs to Him. And the resources that we're blessed with are a tool to be used for His glory. But for many people, there's this struggle, right? There's this struggle to align what we want with what God wants for us. Align our will and God's will, right? And then there's this tension that butts up against itself. It's where the real battle happens for many of us. And it's why I think that Jesus spent so much time talking about this. Because he knew it's where our hearts would be in danger. He knew it's where if we weren't really careful, if we didn't really focus on this and pay attention to this, he knew it's where we would get distracted. Jesus isn't after your money. He's after your heart. He's not concerned with the things you have or don't have. What he's concerned with is who has your heart. What has your heart? What has your attention? What really matters to you? Martin Luther said this, famously said this hundreds of years ago. He said, there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. Right? The conversion of the wallet, the conversion of the checkbook. It's really hard to, like, to, to, to kind of say, God, it's all yours. I realize this now. It's all yours. Because what do we say? What do we do? How do we act? My job. My house, my car, my money, right? My stuff. It's real easy to, to, to like, we just, you know, think that and say that over and over and over again. And it's like, oh God, you know what? It's not. Thanks for the reminder. This is yours. The earth is yours. Everything in it's yours. I am yours. And so I'll ask you again this question. What's it worth to you? What is... What is one 
more persons salvation worth to you? Why would we as a church not be ashamed? Why would we boldly just say, you know what? You and your family need to invest in Shelby Christian Church and the mission of Shelby Christian Church. Why would we talk about together and for the community and for the church and for the world? And why would we, why would we say, you need, you need to invest in this. You need to look at your finances. You need to look at your financial work. And you need to make plans to invest in the mission of the church. Why would we, we do that? What is it worth for one more person to be sitting here where you're sitting? To know the love of Jesus and what he's done for them. I loved how Jesus or how Dave wrapped up last week's sermon, just reminding us about the people that have come before us to lay the foundation for what you see at Shelby Christian Church today. And I want you to know, he said it last week, there are people that have given so much, and not just money, blood, sweat, and tears, right? For us and our families, and, and for you, you know, how many, to, to, to go into that water and to experience what it looks like to walk with Jesus every day. And is there, is there one more person? Do you know of another person that needs Jesus? Is it your neighbor? Is it, is it your, your son or your daughter, your grandchild? Is it your coworker? Is it your spouse? Do you, do you know one more person that needs to know the good news? How, how much is it worth to you for one more? For one more, and then another, and then another, and then another. I want to I close with this story. I, uh, back in May, I got a call. It was Friday morning. I was, uh, I was home because I, I'm off on Fridays. So the phone rang. And there was, uh, it was uh, one of the ladies who's one of the family resource directors at, at one of our local schools. I don't know if you guys know what family resource uh, directors are, but they're, people, they're, they're on the front lines. They're not teachers, but they have offices and they have rooms in our schools. And they, um, if kids need clothes, kids need food, uh, if kids need, and especially like in Elmer, like the, the younger ones, like kindergarten, first grade, if they have an accident at school, they can go to the, the Frisky, we call them Friskies, the family resource, and they can get, they can get clothes, they can get, change their clothes, those kind of things. And so they, they do all kinds of stuff. They do, they counsel, it's social work. It, it's just like there's a plethora of things that the, most of them are ladies, that these ladies do. And so one of them called me out. We try to work really closely with them with our school partnership strategy here at church because we know, like I said, they're on the front lines and they're meeting real needs of our students and our schools here in this community. And so we try to, are really trying to work really closely with all of them. And so one of the ladies called me. Pick up the phone on Friday, on Friday morning. I'm at home. Pick up the phone. And she's in tears. She's just crying. I'm like, what's, what's going on? And so she's like, well, standing here in, the, in my office, I've got the principal here. She, the principal's in tears as well. And they're like, Jason, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And she said, just, just talk to a mom. She's got three students here at our school. I said, okay. She said, for the last two weeks, the, they, we just we didn't know this till today. Uh, we knew we could kind of sense some stuff was going on. But she said, the last two 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 and a half weeks, they've been sleeping in their car. I was like, oh wow. I was like, 
She's like, yeah. So, and so she's like, we don't know what to do. She's, she's between apartments. She's got a job that she's supposed to, but, but she doesn't have, she doesn't have any money right now to, to pay for the down payment for this apartment. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's getting, you know, it's like, we just found out the situation. And so she, the mom was kind of at her breaking point. Right. And she's like, they've been sleeping in their car, uh, coming to school and doing all this stuff. And, and so they're crying and, they, and they're like, we just, we don't know what to do. And so she's like, I didn't, so I just, I'm calling to see if, if, if the church could help in any way. And it's interesting, right? I love this because when, when the church now, when the schools are now like having these needs, guess who they're, they're turning to? Amen. Turning to the church. And, and, and don't, like, when I tell the story, don't, like, I'm not the hero of the story. Like, you got, like, what, what, what we are able to do when we pull our resources, right, to minister to people. So here's what happens. Um, I say, okay, well, Give me some more information. Like, what do we, you know, who we, and so she said, all right, I'm, I'll get off the phone here. I'll talk to the lady. I'll get me, like, the landlord, the person who we, you know, who we need to talk to. So she, she gets off the phone. She gets information. She calls me back. So here's the name. Here's the number. So I'll call this guy and say, hey, you know, here's, I explained to him who I am, who I'm working with. Um, and I didn't, I didn't even know, at that point, I didn't even know the, the lady's name. I don't, I still don't. Didn't know her name. I said, hey, there's a lady. He's like, I know who you're talking about. I've been talking to her. I'm really, he's like, man, I'm really sorry. I just can't do anything. I said, like, I understand. You're, you're running a business. I like this. He's like, this is beyond my control. I was like, I get it, dude. I like, you don't have to apologize to me. He's like, but I just can't do anything until we get this first month's rent. I was like, I understand. Well, what are we talking about here? He's like, I was like, okay, can we get, if we can get you a check. Like this weekend, can we get her moved in? He's like, yeah. If I know, if you guys are vouching for and you're saying it's coming, and I, like, I was like, we'll work and we'll get this together. And so I was like, all right. So I spent all day Friday like get, trying to get this all together for this. And, and so it happens, right? And so he, I sent him checks. Hey, it's on the way. Good to go. We, she, so she was able to move in and they were able to get out of their car. Saturday morning, uh, get another phone call. I don't recognize the phone or the number, but it's a Shelbyville number. So I, I answer. I usually don't do this, right? You know, if you don't recognize, you don't answer. But I answer it, and it's the mom, and she's like, she's she's crying, she's emotional, and she's just she's like she's just wanting to say thank you. And 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 so we have this short conversation, and she says, I "Just really want to thank you." And so I was like, "Well, here's what I want you to know. I didn't do this personally. This this came from from Shelby Christian Church. And here's what I want you to know." I want you to know that there are a group of people at our church that love you and love your kids. We don't know you yet, but we would love to get to know you. And if you're ever looking for a church, right, if you ever want to get, get come to a, find a place where your kids will just love coming to church, we would be honored if you would come to Shelby Christian. Here's what she said to me. She said, you know what? I'm not really a church person. Never really been a church person. But if I was ever going to go to a church, your church is the kind of church I'd go to. Right? And so I, I don't know what, what will happen in that family. But I know that day some seeds were planted that you planted some seeds because of the generosity that you've shown. Right? And that we were able to say, hey, we think we can help in this situation. We think we can help this mom and these kids in this situation. So I tell you that story to just remind you of what can happen, right, when people who realize that it's not their stuff, but it's his, and he's given it to us to manage, and we're generous with it. Who knows what the Lord can do in a situation like that? And so here's the bottom line. God has called us to be good managers of His resources. He's commanded us to be generous with His things. And so may we manage God's blessings, God's ways.
for God's glory. Jesus isn't after your money. He's after your heart. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I thank you for today. Thank you for the folks that are in this room this morning that have come to gather your church in one place today to worship, to sing, share communion, share in the reading of your word. God, it's changed us. It's made us different. It's made us look at this world in a different way. We have a different perspective because of who you are and what you've done through Jesus. We have a hope for a future and an eternity that's beyond this world. We know that our lives, whether we're here for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, it is but a mist in the grand scheme of things. And what matters is eternity. And what matters is that we are found faithful with what you've given us. And that we use those to love other people. And maybe just along the way, maybe, maybe, some seeds of hope and love and faith will be planted with what you've given us. And so God, we, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your son Jesus. God, we realize, I realize that this, this sermon and, and for the last 30 minutes or so, if someone who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they would hear something like this and not have a clue about what it really means because you're not their Lord yet. You're not, they haven't turned it over to you yet. They haven't realized and recognized that you are their master, what you've called them to. But God, some of us in this room have, and we know that to be in your presence and to walk with you is the sweetest thing that, that can be offered. My, my prayer this morning is if there's another person in this room, if, there's, if there is a person who doesn't know that yet, who doesn't know what it looks like to walk in your ways, to realize that we are yours, everything that you've given us is yours. And what you just ask us to do is to trust you. It's a life that those outside of of faith in Jesus can't fathom yet. But we want them all to know how much you love them. And so may one more person today, may one more come to know you and love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son. We thank you for what he's done for us. God, we thank you for what your Holy Spirit continues to do in us and through us and how it moves us and convicts us, spurs us on as a church to look for opportunities to be generous in this community and around the world with the things you've given us. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing this last song.
If you've come today and you want to pray with someone, talk to someone about maybe something you're just wrestling with, if you have a decision on your heart, or some folks, Dave and some other folks will be over our decision uh, area back in the back over here to my left. We'd love to talk to you this morning. Let's, uh, Let's sing this last song.
that God would show you, that He would lead you, that He would fill you with His heart so that we can leave this place and go love Him and love other people. And just maybe, just maybe, He'll use you this week to change a part of this world. Hey, thanks for being here today. We love you guys. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you.